Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jack podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and today on the show, finally, the long beleaguered, the long delayed return of George's Pulte's 36 dramatic situations and the shape of stories. Uh, but before I get into the show, uh, if you are new to this podcast, to the Culture Jack podcast, or you're new to the Friday show specifically, or if the Friday show is your introduction to the uh, Culture Jack podcast, allow me to welcome you to hit the like button, to hit the subscribe button, the follow button on whatever platform that you're listening to us on. Uh, this is a show where I get to talk about things that that interest me, that that pique my curiosities and my interests. Uh, we have other shows on the the channel as well. We talk about. Uh, video games and comic books and movies on we have a, a, a show called on today's episode where we actually we break down uh, different movies and television series that we're watching and we do kind of a review and recap uh, sort of situation drop maybe a couple theories uh, as well my co-host Anthony also has a couple shows that he does as well, uh, not to mention the uh, OTEs that he participates in. He did Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow, uh, but also he has a new show that he does on Sunday, our only new show that we have, where he talks about uh, things that are happening in the movie industry. And then on Monday, he's got a, a show kind of like this one where he gets to talk about those things that, that interest him. And, and both of our, our shows, the, the Monday Madness show and the Friday show, uh, they both kind of center around nerd culture or, or for those kinds of things <laughs> that we let. I'm doing a bad job explaining the show. If you're new here, you've tuned out already. If, you're, if you've been here, you're used to this kind of rambling incoherency uh, from me. So with, that, with all of that being said and out of the way, subscribe, like, follow, leave us a comment, that sort of thing. Um, with all of that being said, we're going to, to get into uh, the meat of this episode, and a meaty episode it will be. Uh, to those of you that have been waiting for the continuation of the series, today your patience will finally be rewarded. Today we're going to continue our exploration of Georges Pulte's 36 dramatic situations. To those of you that are new to this series, I would recommend that you... You put a pause on this episode and check out the first three parts before you continue on. Now, not that it's, it's too terribly important that they are consumed in any particular order, but if your mind works anything like mine and you like things, you know, that way in having a, an order about them happening as they were intended to, uh, this is the way, this is the way to do it. Regardless, for those of you that have been waiting and those of you that just got here, I'll recap, uh, you know, kind of a little bit about what this series is. And it started, it started not too long ago. I was sent a, a video from TikTok where the author mentioned that in, in all these stories of fiction and, and even well-recorded, well-written and engaging real life accounts, all of these stories followed the same patterns, the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows, the ins and the outs. Being an aspiring author myself, and initially uh, one that I, I, I didn't want to fall 
into the trap of hitting those same story beats of the storytellers that came before me. I thought I ought to investigate this phenomenon. And after, after going through this exercise in the, in the first three parts, I realized that it's fine to use and flow with some of these tropes. After all, they make for entertaining and engaging stories that stand the test of time. But I was still interested, interested in how stories, good stories, could be codified, qualified, and classified. So for the first part of the series, I explored Vonnegut, who described eight basic story shapes that explored a, a general arc for a protagonist of a story. Though the unique details of the story could be various and broad, the broad strokes thematically were very similar. Following this, I found a University of Vermont study less than 10 years ago, mind you, that posited all stories shared one of six story patterns. This thesis was not simply based on, on the work of their predecessors, but came from a study that evaluated thousands of stories. And in that evaluation, 10,000 word sections were analyzed to find the good or, or the general mood of each section. And those were then plotted to form these formations, these patterns. What we're talking about today is the original inciting media that took me down this rabbit hole by itself. 19th century French writer Georges Pulte, and before Vonnegut, before Vermont, this fella had seen these patterns. Well, you know, he had seen them and his predecessors and his contemporaries as well. Uh, but he had seen these patterns and managed to slot them in 36 unique situations. Where Vonnegut made broad generalizations about the stories, Pulte, perhaps, Pulte, perhaps, is going to be the name of my book when I write one. <laughs> Pulte, perhaps, uh, he got a little more specific. Some of Pulte's classifications are very similar to others, only separated by a distinction in the character titles. Uh, some of his classifications may have even faded with the passage of time, no longer relevant in a modern world. And I think we're going to talk a, a little bit about at least one of those today. Uh, and I'm not just interested in this stuff to make myself a better writer, uh, to make the most abstract and unique work of fiction that there ever was. I am also interested to make myself a better consumer, to make me appreciate the trends and tropes that influence my favorite media. This will help me appreciate when a story travels outside of these lines and truly breaks the mold. So in the second part of this series, I talked about the first nine dramatic situations, supplication, deliverance, vengeance of a crime, vengeance taken for kindred upon kindred, pursuit, disaster, falling prey to cruelty or misfortune, revolt, and the daring enterprise. In that episode, not only did I try my best to accurately describe and portray those situations, but also find contemporary examples in popular movies. In the third part, I bit off the next nine situations to include abduction, enigma, obtaining, enmity of kinsmen, rivalry of kinsmen, murderous adultery, madness, fatal impudence, and involuntary crimes of love. Just like the second part, I found contemporary examples for these situations as well, but in that episode, I found them in stories from video games. 
And so as promised over two months ago, when I, when the last part of this series aired this time, as I describe each of these tropes, I will be trying to find an example from anime that best captures the idea. And I don't know if this will be more difficult than the previous two sets of examples, just based on the fact that these examples are almost exclusively from Japan, which I don't know if Georges Pulte had in mind while compiling his list. Although, you know, who doesn't? have giant mecha robots piloted by scantily clad schoolgirls in mind when making a list about prevalent story tropes and ideas. I know I do. I don't, I don't think I gave out a spoiler warning for the other parts of this series, for movies and video games specifically, but I'm going to be talking about anime stories with story details. So in each situation, before I dive into my example, I'll tell you the name of the anime, and if you don't want to be spoiled, you can turn the show off. All right. Carrying on then. We arrive at the 19th dramatic situation. Slaying of a kinsman unrecognized. In order for this one to work, the story needs to have a slayer and a victim that they don't recognize. Without even describing this trope, I'm sure there are stories that immediately come to mind for you where a misinformed killing leads to an incredibly dramatic moment or tension in the drama. In brief, the slayer kills or harms the unrecognized victim who turns out to be a friend or family member of the slayer themselves. Then suddenly, a seemingly justified act becomes unjustified. This can take on many forms, usually by deceit or misunderstanding. It can be by command of a divinity, political necessity, rivalry, or through hatred of another. This can happen in stories when the character doesn't have the right state of mind, the correct information, or is you know otherwise not themselves. Sometimes the slain can even play a part in this slaying through deceit for maybe a righteous cause by instigating the slayer. Uh, so a lack of or incorrect evidence against the slain can also be the cause of their death or injury. As a, as a reminder, I'm pulling these definitions and examples from changingminds.com. So if you would like to personally read up on some of this stuff on these 36 dramatic situations, that's the place to go, or at least the place that I'm found. I'm sure there's other places to go. This website says that, that we as an audience have built up the case or justification for the slaying. So when we discover the slain is actually kin, it creates a moral conflict in us. Or even more tension can be added when the victim knows about the relationship and is trying to tell their attacker. Or even when the audience knows, but the attacker does not. We sympathize with the victim, but then we also sympathize with the killer's anguish upon discovering that relationship, that it was someone that they knew. Uh, there are two anime that fit very nicely into this situation. Now, I did think of uh, other anime, any anime where one of the main uh, powers or one of the main arcs includes a villain moving themselves into a ally's body or vice versa, moving an ally into a villain's body where then the hero attacks what they think is the villain, but is actually the ally. Uh, but there were two that I thought of. And if you think of other examples, please let us know. Be it anime examples, examples in movies, television, games, books, wherever. I don't care. I love 
talking about stories. I love talking about this stuff. The first anime I think of is Dragon Ball. When Goku, he, he turned into a giant ape, you know, that the Saiyans do, he inadvertently crushed his grandfather, Gohan. The second one, I think, uh, has a couple of these dramatic situations wrapped up in it and has to do with the anime Naruto. There's a, a pretty considerable amount of time in the show that is dedicated to the Ochiha family, especially Sasuke and Itachi. For a good deal of the show, Sasuke is consumed with vengeance against Itachi for slaughtering their clansmen, even allowing his hatred for his brother to eventually lead him to kill Itachi. And then later in the show, we find out the pretenses behind Itachi's motivations, and he's redeemed in his brother's eyes. Self-sacrificing for an ideal is the next situation. So, so think, just go, I'll stay behind, or, or I can do this, you guys get out of here. A lot of the time, this can manifest in a world-ending or society-saving type of situation. The elements required to satisfy this trope are three things. A hero, an ideal, and the, and the creditor, person, or thing that is to be sacrificed. The hero giving up something for the sake of an ideal. And variants can include uh, sacrifice for one's own word, one's people, or one's faith. Like the, the Christ story in Christian theology is a good example of this story trope. This self-sacrifice could also be one of duty or moral code. To the audience, these kinds of self-sacrifice can be really dumb or very ad admirable. This can coincide with a person's belief or, I guess more appropriately, the writer's belief in the thing that the sacrifice is being made for. We also resonate with this situation because most of us have a pretty good self-preservation instinct that tells us that the character is strong enough to push past that for their ideals. Sacrifice for the sake of this conversation uh, isn't always about sacrificing one's own life either. Sometimes it can be an item or something that the character would otherwise not like to give up, like a lover, a job, or wealth. So, after thinking about it for a minute and browsing online, I came up with what I'm going to use. I'm going to use for this dramatic situation, My Hero Academia. In it, specifically, a character named Mirio. When this character is introduced to the series, he is introduced as one of an elite group of heroes with an awesome power to permeate through physical objects, essentially making his body intangible. Then, when he deactivates this power, he is forcefully ejected from the floor, the wall, or whatever surface he's in. This effectively allows him to swim through the surfaces and rocket away from them, as well as essentially being invincible, like with projectiles, blows, and weapons that pass right through him. Well, at the climax of his arc, the villains have made a weapon that removes heroes' powers. And it's not a problem for this guy, obviously, because these special bullets that they made would just pass right through them. Except, in protecting someone else who was shot at, he chose to not become permeable in order to block the attack. So he, he kept his physical form and took the bullet for them. Thus, he sacrificed his powers and the promise of being the next great hero to save the day and protect his ideals. After that one comes self-sacrifice for Kindred. 
And I realize now, after I uh, <clears throat> look over my notes for this episode, that I, I was kind of wrong in the last one because the, the example of Mirio that I gave would probably be more well-suited to this dramatic situation, self-sacrifice for a kindred. And that's what he was doing. He was sacrificing himself for someone, for someone else. Uh, pretty similar to the last one. This one, though, instead of an ideal, is the sacrifice made for a person, typically a relative or a friend. Also included in this one is not just sacrificing one's own life, but sacrificing ambition or modesty for someone else's happiness or sacrificing love for someone else's happiness or safety. This is the one that we'll call <laughs> the Dom Toretto rule, you know, anything for family. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm an absolute shill for Universal Studios. So sue me, whatever. Stories that include these kinds of sacrifice are often heartwarming and affirming. So since I goofed up and gave a bad example in my last situation, I will find an example, a real example for self-sacrifice for an ideal. So for that, we're going to go back to the, the show Naruto. I know I gave a broad spoiler warning at the beginning, but this, what I'm about to say here is a huge emotional moment for Naruto. So if you have any intention of watching Naruto in the future, Tune out now. Okay. As the village of Kanoha is facing off against the Akatsuki group, they were having some difficulty in dealing with a character named Pain, who appeared to be multiple people, ninjas from the past. One of the mentors of the young ninja, Jiraiya, through an intense fight, discovered the truth about this set of ninja, that... Ultimately, Pain was not even among the group that called themselves Pain, and he ultimately gave his life to convey this message back to his village, to save the village, to protect, as they say in the show, their ninja way. Despite winning uh, or despite fighting an unwinnable fight, he was able to protect the village through this sacrifice. There, the universe is back in alignment. You have your example for both of these types of sacrifice. Moving on. The next dramatic situation is all sacrificed for a passion. The elements of this one are a lover, the object of the fatal passion, and the person or thing being sacrificed. In this situation, the lover is impassioned by the object, so much so that they, they give up the person or thing being sacrificed as they are blinded by their passion. Oh my gosh. I've got a really good one for this. Uh, but before that, some of the variants of this situation are religious vows or purity vows that are broken for a passion. Power ruined by a passion. Uh, ruin to come, that comes to mind, to health, to life, fortunes, honor, all for the sake of a passion. Like the other situations involving sacrifice, this one creates tension by relating to a character that has gone off the deep end for the sake of their passion. And in some cases, we may see that in ourselves, fearing that we too are capable of some very extreme behavior. All right, <clears throat> this is gonna crack you up. Okay, so the anime that I'm excited uh, to use for this example, beware, Full Metal Alchemist fans, just by me telling you the anime, 
you know exactly who I'm going to use for this example. And this one, I'm not even going to explain what happened. It's too good or perhaps, you know, too bad uh, a moment to be ruined or spoiled. Folks that have seen the show, though, know about a researcher named Sho Tucker, an alchemist that specialized in creating chimera, like these hybrid beasts that are created through the use of alchemy. And he even had a great success at one point creating a speaking chimera beast, even though it didn't live very long. Before we meet the character, his wife had passed away, but presently he is struggling to keep his alchemist certification. He gives up a lot to get that certification. I'll, <clears throat> I'll leave you with the knowledge that Tucker, he's a family man. He's an animal lover, and he is an all-around very nice guy. Okay, the next, the next situation, dramatic situation, is duty. <laughs> Most of the next entry has to do with duty. Uh, and that is the necessity of sacrificing loved ones. A hero and a, a victim and a need for a sacrifice are what we need for this trope. The ones that I see the most have to do with this situation. The victim is he's oftentimes a willing participant to their own sacrifice, meaning that the hero isn't making the sacrifice without the victim's permission. But usually it's based on the need for the sacrifice to occur. The sacrifice is typically made for the sake of the public interest or because of duty to God, to faith, under pressure for the public good, for reputation, or because of some other contention. The audience feels for the hero to have to make such a difficult choice, even though they may be horrified that they made the decision to do it. At first blush, you could easily talk about Natasha Romanoff and Clint Barton on uh, Vormir, the sacrifice he made of her, you know, though through her own insistence in exchange for the soul stone. But at second blush, you might say, Dustin, that isn't an anime. And to that, my friends, you'd be correct. I couldn't really find an anime equivalent for this one. I mean, there are a lot of examples of sacrificing for the greater good for a cause and for someone else. I'm sure there is one that fits this to a T. But I can't think of it and I can't find it. I want to say uh, mid-season twist in Gurren Logan counts, but I hesitate to say it fits neatly in this box, so I won't use that. Uh, obviously, Ace's sacrifice of himself. I mean, it wasn't like Luffy put him to death. That could maybe fit uh, adjacent to this. But now that I'm thinking One Piece, maybe Mary Go in One Piece. And actually, fun fact, the... Mary Go arc, like later on in the series, was actually my first time crying in One Piece while watching that particular, that particular show. Next up, rivalry of superior and inferior. Basically, you have two rivals, one inferior and one superior, and you have also the object of the rivalry. The disparity between them can be vast or slight, uh, this seems like the stuff that, that underdog stories are made of. It could be a mortal and an immortal, a master and a student, someone rich, the other poor, a husband and an ex-husband, the conquered and the conqueror, royalty and subject or master and slave. This could be in martial competition, 
This could be in sport. This could even be two rivals seeking the same promotion at the office. This theme can include elements of jealousy and envy. Oftentimes, it can be relayed, like I said, with kind of a underdog emphasis. Now, a couple anime that I thought of for this situation are Dragon Ball, with the rivalry between Krillin and Goku. Also, My Hero Academia with Bakugo and Deku. Fairy Tale, Natsu and Grey, Naruto with Sasuke and Naruto, Guy and Kakashi, or, or heck, even Madara and Hashirama. This is very prevalent in most shonen anime, to be honest, but the best example of this one that I think, personally, is the rivalry between Goku and Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z. First enemies turned allies, then during the Majin Buu saga, again turned enemies, but always these two fighting for superiority. And obviously the superior one is Goku, the inferior one is Vegeta. All throughout that series and subsequent iterations of the characters, their rivalry persists a thousandfold. Toriyama did a bang-up job when it comes to these two characters. The next one is Adultery. That's the next one, if you, if you recall... In a previous episode of this series, murderous adultery was one of the previous ones. And though most people listening could recognize a story about adultery when they saw one, some of the main themes include two adulterers, two adulterers and a deceived spouse. The adulterer betrays the trust of the deceived spouse or lover. And while the audience looks at the adulterer with disgust, the deceived can be pitied and, and suffer mockery for the event as well. The betrayed in these types of stories can also go about seeking retribution, justice, and vengeance. If that leads to, of course, murder, then it can become the other dramatic situation, murderous adultery. I actually just watched an anime with this as the theme for one of its episodes. The anime is called Death Parade, and in it, the recently departed end up at this, this bar, this watering hole in the afterlife where they are sentenced uh, to heaven or hell after playing a game. Usually it's a carnival type game. Usually the departed comes in, in pairs and their relationships are slowly revealed through the course of the episode. In one of the first two episodes, the couple that comes in, mind you, they can't remember how they've died or even realize they're dead right away. The couple that comes in has revelations about infidelity, even going so far as to announcing a pregnancy from an unknown union. I mean, it was a wild ride from start to finish, and I'm still not sure which character was in the right. It's highly recommended, though. Death Parade. Not to mention, it has one of the most boss intros that I've ever seen in anime. Uh, keeping on the same train tracks or maybe the opposite side of the train uh, yard, the next situation is crimes of love, requiring a lover and a beloved. Now, don't get all mushy on me just yet. I mean, seriously, because this one is all about social taboos. The lover loves the beloved, but this love is illicit in some way, breaking social codes held in, in many countries and nations to include pedophilia, incest, bestiality. These motives may range from pure love to depravity, usually to receive rough justice if discovered. 
These are oftentimes covered up, sometimes with the collaboration with kin that, while they may be disgusted, play along in the hopes the person or persons come to their senses. Audiences, though they may be horrified by these types of storylines, they may also be fascinated and may even relish in having their repressed desires represented in the story. Now, though I don't have a specific example of this anime series that I can share, there is a huge category of the stuff as a genre within the anime industry. And I guess one title, Seven Deadly Sins, comes to mind. Great action, incredible story, though uh, not necessarily the type that the the 3,000-year-old fairy queen, she's not represented as a 3,000-year-old. And Ban, Bon, <laughs> whatever your name is, we're looking at you, sir. Mind you, Georges Pulte is a dated author. So though you don't find many examples of this in contemporary Western media, perhaps this situation was much more popularized, you know, a couple hundred years ago. And then the last one that we're going to talk to you uh, today about is called Discovery of the Dishonor of a Loved One. Whew, that's a mouthful. For one, there must be a dishonorer and a guilty one. The guilty one brings shame on their kin by a dishonorable act, and they are discovered by the dishonorer. That's a really a weird thing to say. Wouldn't the guilty party also be the dishonorer? I guess maybe the dishonored? Perhaps the, the person who discovers it should just be the discoverer. I'm going to change this, change this one. It's uh, you need a, a guilty party and a discoverer. Anyway, this could be the discovery of a parent's shame uh, or that of a child or a sibling. Dishonor discovered of an entire family, of a spouse, of a lover. There's even a very specific one in here that they put. Dishonor that one's mistress, formerly a prostitute, has returned to her former life. Discovery that a family member is an assassin with honor being a thing that societies hold in in high esteem someone that breaks the rules brings dishonor to their family and to their name this can create a dilemma in the narrative with the dishonored being protected exposed or punished in anime then i was tempted to say ashitaka from studio studio ghibli's princess mononoke he was disgraced by the curse mark on his arm and banished from his village. Though that wasn't really a dishonor that was discovered by someone else. So in Sword Art Online, Kirito is discovered to be a beta tester for the game that everyone was trapped inside of. And after this revelation, he is outcast uh, to be a, a solo player. No one wants to team up with this guy anymore. But even, even this, even though his disgrace was discovered, it wasn't necessarily by a loved one. So I can't really fit this into the box of this particular situation. Uh, the best one, I guess, maybe for this one, as convoluted as it might be, I think Eren's betrayal in Attack on Titan, specifically when it comes to his manipulation of Mikasa and Armin, is probably the most apt example of the trope. But even early on in the series, uh, when it's discovered that Reiner, Bertholdt, and Annie are turncoats for the Marleyan Empire, it's a, it's a good example that also works off of this plot device. 
And that was and that was the uh, next nine dramatic situations from Georges Pulte's 36 dramatic situations. We will be delivering you the final installment of this series, not next week, because like I promised in a previous episode, I won't I won't just do them week on week on. Um, but I also won't wait two months to do the next one as well. I've really enjoyed this deep dive into the origins of stories, the shape of stories, general guidelines that authors have followed for years. And even though some of these examples are not as persistent as relevant in contemporary media today, uh, I still think it's interesting, uh, the origins of these things. But that's it for the Friday show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you stay tuned for our other shows that we have on our podcast. We have um, on today's episode, great one. We talk about movies and shows. We've got the Weekend Wire where we talk about the movie industry and news that's happening there. Monday Madness where Anthony gives you his unique perspective on a tech gaming comic book thing that he's interested in at the moment. Uh, and then this show, of course, the Friday show, there's absolutely no other shows that we host on this channel. There's, uh, it'd sure be nice if we had a video game news show, but you know, you can't have everything and putting out four shows a week is pretty dang good. I think, uh, regardless of your opinion of this show or any of our other shows, uh, especially shows that we don't have like video game shows, leave us a review that helps the algorithm determine that you too want to know the nature of stories and story arcs and tropes that you have seen in the stories that you enjoy. You can also get in contact with us at Facebook or Twitter at Culture Jacked. Send us an email. We'd love to read your email in an episode at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. But that's it for the show. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers.